You know, the, the Bible makes reference to so many things that God has created and instituted to represent either God's heart or a kingdom of God principle. For instance, marriage is a reflection of the heavenly marriage we will have with the King of Kings, God Almighty, through his son Jesus. Uh, another example is in the Bible, we see the tabernacle. And the whole tabernacle is a design after the kingdom of heaven of what worship is like and the pathway there. And you know, it's interesting. Moms are also found in God's design to reflect a kingdom principle. And you know what that is? His unconditional agape love. Moms, you think you've been cheated? You think you got the raw deal? You got the best deal. He gave you a position that no other person, no other man can experience to show and reflect that amazing heart of God Almighty. He gave that to you, moms. You reflect that even on your worst day. His design for you is to reflect his heart. And he wanted us to know so much how much he loved us. Yes, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins, but he created and designed the institution called motherhood so that we could understand how deeply loved we are. So with that, every single mom, past mom, maybe, or every single expecting mother, would you please stand and we want to recognize you. Would you stand? All moms. Who's your mama? Come on. Come on, men. Come on, men. Thank you, moms. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. And I love you, my mother-in-law, Mary. Happy Mother's Day. Um, before we get into the message, I also know that Mother's Day actually, some, for some, are a very painful day. Some of you may have lost your mother and you grieve the loss of your mom. And we just want you to know it's a safe place here. Um, just come as you are. And uh, we'll try not to make you smile if you're in, in that kind of mood. Some of you have had bad experiences and you have no relationship with your mother even today. And so Mother's Day is very painful. Uh, some of you are a mom and you just feel like a failure. And you feel like you just can't do anything right. And I just want you to know that that's not what God sees. That's not what God sees. He does not see your actions and your thoughts and your, uh, um, your behavior, uh, what you say. He sees it, but what he really looks at is your heart. And so I just want to pray for all of our moms today and kind of bring us into this message. So would, um, do me a favor. Uh, would you all just grab the person's hand to your right, to your left? I know it's uncomfortable, but we're not here to be comfortable. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I actually want you to think about this, that one of the people that you're holding hands with probably is going through something that they would never tell you about. And if one person you're holding their hand, I can pretty much tell you that they have not had the greatest relationship with their mom 
and Mother's Day may be an absolutely painful holiday. And so I just want to lift up wherever we're at. This is a, a time of joy, a time of love, a time of reflection, a time of laughter, but it's also a time of tears. It's a time of pain from living in this fallen state, this world, the curse of sin. And so, Father, I just ask in Jesus' name, your son's name, that you would just do something so special in the next 30 minutes, Father, that you would just have your hand over every single mom, every single dad, every single woman, every single man, every single student, those serving, those sitting out here in the sanctuary, and those standing and listening uh, wherever they're at, Father. We just ask that you would speak. Get me out of the way, Father. Get me out of the way. And would you show us your heart for the church God, I don't want to end my pastoral vocation at the end of my life and regret that we weren't the church as you designed it to be. And so, God, just teach us, push away all distractions in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, uh, we, we were in this series. We were in the uh, um, sixth week of our series called Let's Fight, and um, we were talking about unity. So we talked about truth, how we respond to the things around us. We, we respond in truth. We start with truth. We align ourselves with the Word of God. Then we go to worship and a lifestyle. By the way, next week, we're going to wrap up this whole series, so I'm just going to zoom through this. But then we get to prayer, our personal life of, of engaging and going deeper with God and His presence. And then we talked about unity. And unity is the most powerful weapon that God designed the church to be. The most powerful weapon. And you now wonder why it's not happening in the churches. Because we have a real enemy, a real battle, and he does not want the church to be unified. Why? Because he does not want the church to be powerful. And so if he can bring division... That's exactly what he's going to do. So we looked at the, uh, the, the prayer in John 17 where Jesus says, Father, I not only pray for these believers now, but the believers to come. That's you and me if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's praying for us. What is his prayer? That they may be one just as you, Father, and I are one. And we looked at, well, what does that look like? Because we need to know what it looks like in order to reflect that, correct? And so we looked at the oneness of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. They were of one purpose. They were under one purpose. Jesus always said, that's not why I came, or this is why I came to seek and save the lost, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Uh, Jesus was all about the purpose of the kingdom of God. They also were one in their, uh, in their um, excuse me, their mutual and sacrificial love. We see it very much in the cross of Jesus Christ and what he was sent to do. And then we see a togetherness. They never did anything outside of each other. They, Jesus was always with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And so what's interesting to me, I'm going to get a, a little uh, um, object here. Forgive me. 
I have a Lego piece here. Moms, you probably know exactly what this is, and you know how it feels underneath your feet, right? And they designed Legos for a purpose because kids love them. However, this Lego piece by itself is useless. It literally is just a tripping hazard. It does nothing. It was not made to function on its own. What was it made to do? These are my son's Legos, and I was going to have him build one for me, but he fell asleep last night before I could get him to build. But this is exactly uh, what the Legos are built for, is to come together. And then what's awesome is they're all different sizes. They all have different connectors. Some have six, some have two, some have three, some have one. But they all serve a purpose when they come together. And that's why kids love it is because then they can take the individual pieces and put them together to make a beautiful tower or structure or vehicle or fort or whatever it is and say, Mommy, look at what I made. And then you all say, Mommy, say, that's terrible. (laughs) Say, oh, that's the most incredible building I've ever seen. But you take it apart and you just grab one piece and the Lego is not worth its value. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to get across to the church. We are all different Lego pieces. And by themselves, they truly are useless. It doesn't make sense with the gifts that God gives you just by yourself. I know some of you are introverted and you would would be just fine not seeing a single human for a week or two. But God says he created you not to be alone. So even though you're introverted, don't count yourself out because God designed you to be in community with each other. Why? It's because you alone doesn't serve any purpose other than your purpose, which is great. That's why God made introverts and extroverts, is to serve us. So extroverts get energized by people. Introverts get energized by aloneness. But we need to understand that what either side you fall on, we need each other. And it's not just for your own purpose. That's what you have to understand. It's for the purpose of the body of Christ to be one. So if you don't think you like people and you'd rather be by yourself, start thinking of others and what you can bring to the table to serve. Because that, my friends, is what Jesus is talking about when he says, Father, May they be one just as you and I are one so that we're all different. We all come from all different backgrounds, all different spiritualities or denominations. We have all different personality types. We have all different political opinions, and there's many of them flying around. We all have different pasts, and we have different hangups, and we have different hurts. Any CR people here? We have different habits. We have different likes and interests. We have different styles of worship. We have different translations of Bibles. But God called us to put all that aside and to be one. Look at a football team. If the offensive line all acted like the quarterback and 
The quarterback assumed every single person on the offensive offensive line to do exactly what the quarterback was trained to do. They would never win a football game. I think that's what the Cincinnati Bengals do. (laughs) They're gonna win one of these days, man. They were all created and gifted and even given different trainings and assignments and plays. And when they all individually function and use their talent and their training to play that one spot and they all are on, they're unstoppable. They're an unstoppable force and they win games. What about the church? What about the church? Just even look at your experience. If you've, had, if you've grown up in the church, some of you have no idea what the church was because you weren't raised in it. Some of you were raised in it, and it was very dysfunctional and what I would call unbiblical. And so you come with all these preconceived notions of what the church should be. And Jesus is saying, I died for the church. And I set a precedent for the church to witness to the world, and that is through unity. So today we're gonna look at just two points. We're gonna make it short and sweet because mom's got their kids, they're ready to go. Um, By the way, just so you know, if you guys do need a nursery or your kid is getting restless, they will take really good care of you over in eKids. Number one, so what does this oneness look like? We have have to get a, a grasp of what this looks like from a local level of ECC and also from a global of the church of Christ, okay? So let's look at the mark of a true Christian. Every Christian who calls themselves a believer in Christ needs to be marked by the oneness of Christ. And so every person in here that you say, I'm a Christian, I want you to rethink something. Have you surrendered to the Lord Jesus? Have you told him of your sin and that you're sorry and asked for forgiveness? And are you willing to lay down your life for him? Because if you have been genuinely captured by Jesus Christ, you will want to reflect who Jesus is. And the mark of a Christian is not by how much you give, is not by how much you serve. It is not by how much you read your Bible. It is not by how much you go to church. It is not by how much you speak so eloquently of the gospel of Christ. It is all about the mark of your love for one another. And when Jesus says one another, does he mean all people? He does to a degree, but when he's talking about oneness here, he's talking about fellow believers in the family of God. And that starts to make sense to some of you because when you walked into a church, Christians who hated each other and were backstabbing each other and splitting over donuts and talking about different things and and gossiping and rumors and hate, Who wants to be a part of that? That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says, when you start to love your fellow brother and sister in Christ, 
like Jesus loves you and you start to serve them and become selfless in your love, that is when power comes. That is when people understand and start to see that you are a Christian. So let's look at these marks. I'm going to give you scriptures. You can write them down or you can go on YouTube and look them through, but we're going to go really fast, okay? So the first mark, the first mark in loving one another. So what does it look like to love your brother and sister here at ECC and your brother and sister over at the Nazarene Church and the Church of Christ and the Methodist and the Catholic and the Presbyterian and the Protestant and the Baptist and all you name it? who are genuinely captured and changed by Christ, they're your family. And you are to love them as Christ loves you. And so, in result, show the mark of Christ in your life. Number one, 1 John says this. 1 John says this in Chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Do you know how little this is taught in the church? Whoever does not know God does not have love. They don't know God because God is love. And if you know God and you've been changed by God, that means God is in you and you in him. 1 John 4, verses 20 to 21 says, If anyone says, I love God, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and hates his brother or sister is a liar. For he who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love other believers. I'll be honest for me, sometimes it's easier for me to love someone who doesn't call themselves a Christian than those who do and I can't stand them. And they annoy me and they... Uh, don't get it right, and I just feel like they, I'm not sure if they're sincere or not. I'm not called to question or judge them. I'm called to love them and therefore prove the love of Christ in me. You see, we justify, we justify our wrath and our anger and our judgment by saying we're just promoting the values of God with the result of storing up anger and bitterness and judgment and hate. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just me, but I've had experiences in the church, brothers and sisters going through the motions, and man, Sunday is powerful, and then I meet them on Tuesday, and they are so rude. And the others are gossiping and stabbing you in the back, and there's so much more drama in the church than there is in the rest of the world. That's not right. That's not what Jesus came to set up and what he died for. If what you are doing or saying is causing yourself to be angry or bitter towards another, then it would be very beneficial 
for you in the name of unity to ask yourself if you are reflecting the heart of Christ. Because if you are responding or looking at someone else in the body of Christ with anything but unconditional love and a heart to serve them, you may not be reflecting the heart of Christ. Jesus went after one group where he was aggressive and righteously angry and opposed, and they were the ones who were supposed to have the hope to the world. Those were the ones that God had called to be after his own heart, but they got caught up with the external and the appearances, and they forgot the heart of worship. And so Jesus, man, always was just butting heads with them, and he rebuked them, and he said, you wicked Pharisees, you hypocrites. Why? It's because they were worried about the external, and they were trying to be religious and holy, but in their hearts, they were so disconnected and rebellious against God himself, and they were putting burdens and rules and laws on other people. So Jesus is praying for us to be one. Why does he make this his biggest prayer? Is because he understands that if we're not one, there will not be power of unity and there will not be people coming to the kingdom of God because they don't want to be a part of what we are living. So we need to learn what it means to be one. And so the second point is this. What does real love look like? You can think you're loving someone, but it may not be the heavenly agape love that Jesus calls us to love one another. This kind of love is not easy. So if it's easy for you, it may not be the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. It's self-sacrificial, number one. It's self-sacrificing. I was talking to uh, some godly men the other week, and one of them said, you know what? I, I have a really hard time for this, with this. There are very few people in my life that I would self-sacrifice for. And I think if we're honest, aren't we the same? But to love like Jesus loved, you have to lay down your life, yourself. John 15, verse 13, I'm gonna share a couple scriptures here. says this, greater love has no one than this. Read this with me, that someone... Self-sacrificing for his friends, family, other believers. Matthew 16, verse 25, that's the New Living Translation. We just read the ESV. Would you read this with me? If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven, but he flipped the tables up on their ends and said, this is how the kingdom of God works. You wanna be the greatest? Become the least. You wanna be loved? Love and serve others. You wanna be served? Humble yourself before God. That is how the kingdom of God works. And so if we call ourselves part of the kingdom of God and followers of Christ, we need to start aligning our lives with the love that only Jesus gives through his Holy Spirit inside of us. This is love we can't give on our own fleshly accord. 
It has to be God-given and God-breathed. That's why we need God. The second mark of what real love looks like is first, self-sacrificial. Number two is outdoing and showing honor. How are you doing with that? Literally, it's Jesus is saying, make it a game. I dare you. Outdo one another. Literally, try. We live in such a competitive sports world. Can you imagine if this was a competition and we were really, with good intentions, of course, and with the mind of Christ, we were outdoing one another? That's exactly what Jeff and Tiffany are teaching the students. They've just been on since April 1st, and they were serving a little bit before that, but these kids are starting to get it. Michael Miller, and we have six mothers right now in E-Kids serving your kids. Loving the kids, outdoing and showing you, Mom, honor. They're laying themselves and their interests down. So let's see this in Philippians 2, verse 3 through 4. Don't be selfish. When selfish is in the front of our minds, our thoughts, and our heart, love cannot come through. And here's the thing, moms and dads, you do have a choice. I have a choice. Going to be my flesh, selfishness, or it's going to be in the spirit, self-sacrificing and outdoing and showing honor. So we have self-sacrificial, outdoing, showing honor. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. It's about you. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests. That's what our culture breeds. It's all about you. But if if you look out and take an interest in others too, you will begin to learn to outdo in showing honor. Number three says serve one another. Can you say that with me? Serve one another. Let's look at the scripture context. This is all grounded and soaked in God's word. And so in order for us to be unified as a body and start to act like his church, We need to allow it to soak and become part of us. Galatians 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Be free. Be free in Christ. Enjoy the things that you can enjoy without them controlling you. But guess what? They may control someone else. So don't be a stumbling block to someone else. It says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. The average across the country of America, the average Christian comes to church. Maybe I may not be talking about you. I actually hope I'm not talking about any of us. But the average Christian comes to church to serve themselves. The average Christian comes to either do their Christian duty or with really good intentions to fill themselves, to be fed. And that's very important. That You need that. But if that's all you're doing, it's kind of like if I'm just eating carbs and carbs and wheat, I'm learning I'm on a gluten-free diet right now. 
It's because the body wasn't made to break down wheat. And so we eat a lot of it, don't we? Well, what does it do when it can't break it down? It turns it into fat and all over. <laughs> right? The thing is, is if we're just coming to church and doing our Christian thing just to fill us and we're not pouring it out to others, we have missed it. And we have become self-consuming Christians. And Jesus said, we can't have any of that. You need to be self-sacrificing. You need self-sacrificing. You need to outdo and showing honor. And you need to serve one another. First Peter 4 says, God has given you each a gift. Each one of you. When you are made new through Christ, each one of you, God has given a specific gift and wiring to you. And it's not for you. You can be fulfilled by it and you can be blessed through it, but it's for serving one another. God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Number four, contribute to the needs of other believers. This brings unity. But if we're not sex, uh, excuse me, self-sacrificial, we cannot do this. Acts 2, verse 42. I'm going a little fast here. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. This is the first church. This is the picture of the church that God designed us to be here at Elevation Community Church and in the world. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, the Lord's Supper, which is communion, and to prayer. They sold their property, they sold their possessions, and shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together as the temp at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Why? It's because they were operating and functioning as a unified one body of Christ. Whenever you see a body of believers come together, there will always be growth. There will always be people drawn to that body. So don't judge churches that are growing. Because one of the indicators that they're growing may be that they have figured out and discovered unity. Will we discover that? Will we continue to develop that and that heart of generosity? We don't pass the plates. But when you give to the ministry, do you realize you're giving to this community? Yes, you're giving to the operations. You're giving to, to the salaries of the staff that run the, help run the operations of the church. But a lot of the money goes out to bless other people. And if you're getting and growing and drawing closer to God because of the ministry that you're a part of, generously give to the needs of others. Serve one another self-sacrificially, outdo in showing honor, serve one another, contribute to the needs of others. Galatians 6 2 says, bear one another's burdens or share in each other's burdens. Some of you do such an incredible, phenomenal job at this that I need to learn from. 
We all need to do better at this. So the fifth mark is live in harmony with one another. When you think of the church, the local church, do you think of harmony? I do now because I've seen it in you. I've seen it in our elders. I've seen the heart to fight for unity in our staff. I'm seeing it. It's genuine. And I'm seeing it in many of you. Don't stop. Because this is what Jesus prayed for. And this is where power is going to come into play. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with, let's read those, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has, of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. Forgive is a bad word. Not in the kingdom of God. See, when you realize how much you've been forgiven and fully forgiven, you will forgive others who've hurt you. That's the body of Christ. We have short accounts. We work through it. We communicate to each other. Forgive one another. I have experienced so much of church growing up that I would mark them not by these categories, but by bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition. And you know, when I read the Bible probably about 20 years ago, it dawned on me on what I was experiencing, and I read it in James chapter three. And I don't think it's gonna be on the screen. But it says this, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast, because you're false to the truth, and the Spirit of God is not in you. For wherever jealousy, bitterness, and selfishness exist, there will be every vile practice why? Because it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. When we have bitterness in our hearts, it is a ploy of the enemy to divide our unity. Don't let bitterness grow in you. Deal with it. Man up, woman up, and deal with it. Jesus died for you. What's your excuse? When you forgive and love because when we do there'll be unity and power and joy and love and everyone in our community is going to know about it that's why when people come in and they're guests we hear a lot of people say they felt loved didn't feel like a church that they've experienced before that's good <laughs> in my opinion that's good and last but not least it says to be at peace with one another so we have self-sacrificial love one another is self-sacrificial is outdoing and showing honor, serving one another, contributing to the needs of the believers, living in harmony and being at peace. Colossians 3 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and be thankful. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. We're gonna talk about it next week in Romans 12. 
It says, if possible, as far as it is up to you, be at peace with one another. If you are stirring bitterness, all the permission in the world to find a time to meet with me face to face, hopefully not before I just come up on the stage. <laughs> but whenever I'm here Tuesday, excuse me, Monday through Thursday, I'm around, I'm here. If anyone in the body has hurt you and offended you, and you may think, well, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal, you're thinking about it, you're bitter about it, you're complaining about it, it's a big deal. Paul says a little yeast contaminates the whole batch. We need to be unified. Band, would you come up? They're gonna, they're gonna sing a song over us. It's called Build Your Kingdom Here. We sang it last week. And I just, I want you to listen to the words and allow yourselves to just ask yourself, am I willing? Am I willing? Am I willing to be sacrificial in my life? Am I willing to start laying it down? Am I willing to outdo one another in showing honor? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to contribute to the needs, if, even if it leaves me empty? What about me, Jesus? What if I give it all? What about me? He says, bear your cross. Pick up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. Lose your life, you will save it. That's how the body of Christ is marked, by our love for one another. So I'm gonna give you a challenge on Mother's Day. I'm gonna give you a challenge. Philippians 2, I touched on it. Philippians 2. Can we read that? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together. Remember those Legos? With one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. It goes on to say he emptied himself, became a servant, humbled himself, and was obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. And so what I want you to do this week is just a few things. Number one, moms, whether you work, you stay at home, whatever you're doing at a sporting event, making breakfast, making dinner, making lunch, um, cleaning the house, doing the yard work, doing whatever you do in your daily lives. Can you start small by creating an atmosphere of love in your home? Start small. Don't try to save the world. Start right now with your family. Start right now where you are and ask yourselves, how in this moment can I create a culture of love? Here's how you do it. You ask yourself, how can I best serve this person? How can I best serve in this situation? And then do it. It's hard to do but you can do it through the power of Christ who strengthens you. You just have to be willing to serve and become self-sacrificial. And so then this is what you're gonna do. Be praying every day this week. Small groups, please text each other, hold each other accountable. God, give me the eyes to see the needs and interest of others and respond with a humble heart of love to serve. 
give me the eyes and ears to see the needs and the interest of others, and then give me the strength to serve that need. Would you stand? And I would love for all of us to read this prayer together. Ready? God, give me the eyes to see the needs and interest of others. Now let's sing this song together.